Welcome to the LeanZone.com podcast, where we discuss construction contracts, liens, and bonds. And now, our host, Alex Barthet. My name is Alex Barthet. I'm a board-certified construction attorney. So today, we're going to talk about what a judgment is and is not. We're going to talk about what's the difference between a judgment and lien and bond claims. We'll also talk about why you may have a hard time finding a lawyer that can help you get paid on your judgment. Then we'll talk about priority. Uh, What is it and how does it work and how do you get it so that your judgment is first or at least ahead of others. We'll talk about some very specific collection tools once you have a judgment, some specific ways to get paid. And then I'll share with you a few of the secret tricks and tips that I have developed over uh, more than 15 years of uh, acquiring judgments uh, and turning them into to money, green dollar bills. All right, so let's talk about what a judgment is and importantly what a judgment is not. So a judgment is a court order that gives you various rights as to those debtors and the property they have. Uh, most judgments are money judgments, which says that if you are the judgment creditor, the judgment debtor owes you a certain amount of money. Importantly, it's uh, you need to know that it only applies to the named debtors. If you have a judgment against a certain person or company, any related companies or related people are not automatically subject to that judgment. We'll talk about ways to get them to uh, get the judgment to apply to them, but on its face, uh, a judgment only applies to those that are named debtors in the judgment. We get this question a lot, which is, uh, well, once I get a judgment, then they have to pay me, correct? Uh, And the answer, unfortunately, is no. Um, Getting a judgment is step one. Uh, Step two is turning that judgment into money. Um, And it's up to you as the judgment creditor to get a judgment debtor to pay you, and that's what we're going to talk about, um, ways to to get that done. And subject to further review of the court, all the work and money you spend in legal fees and costs after you get a judgment should also be collectible, meaning you can submit uh, paperwork to the court uh, and have your judgment increased by the fees and costs you've spent in having to get Uh, your judgment paid by the judgment debtor. And finally, know that a judgment lasts for 10 years and it can be renewed for another 10 years. So a judgment will last in total 20 years, but after 20 years, uh, it no longer exists. Uh, It sounds like a long time, um, but uh, you need to make sure that if you are intending to pursue a judgment, you do it uh, regularly and, and soon after you get it. Uh, and then stay on top of it over the course of the life of the judgment. Someone may not have any money now, but uh, they may have it in two, three, four, five years. So let me explain the difference between a judgment and what you may understand that you have in the construction industry, which are lien and bond claims. So a lien is a encumbrance on real property that allows you to foreclose on that property and get paid when that property is sold. That lien is subject to the rules of priority. Uh, 
of liens. So uh, a lien typically has the priority date of either the day that the notice of commencement for the project was recorded or if the co there is no notice of commencement or if the notice of commencement expired, then the priority date of the lien is the date that the lien was recorded. Um, if you foreclose on that property and you are successful, you have a priority date of your foreclosure sale as of the date of your lien, whether it's the lien recording date or the notice of commencement. The benefit of having a lien is that you have priority for you, the sale probably sooner than, than other judgment creditors. Um, but again, it's only subject to the amount of equity that you may have, that you may find in the property. So if you have a lien for $100,000 and the property is subject to a first mortgage and there's no equity, then you have a lien, but it's not really worth anything because there's no equity in the property. Bond rights are, are rights you have against a surety, which is in effect a insurance company. And if you prevail on that bond claim, you will have a money judgment against that insurance company. Uh, and it's subject to all the rules of collection that we're going to talk about now with one significant difference. And that is that uh, if you are successful in obtaining a judgment against a surety, uh, what we typically do is we wait. Once that judgment is obtained and recorded, we wait 60 days. And after 60 days, an unsatisfied judgment can be submitted to the insurance commissioner of Florida. And the insurance commissioner can revoke the right of that insurance company to sell any more policies of any sort in the state. Uh, so that's a big hammer you can hold over a surety. So typically we don't spend time and effort once we get a judgment against a surety in collecting. We just wait 60 days and then we send the letter to the insurance commissioner. And lo and behold, we typically get paid because our money judgment is worth uh, very little compared to the loss of business of not being able to continue to write policies in the state of Florida. So we have many clients that come to us uh, after they have obtained a judgment because the lawyer that they've had gets them a judgment but then doesn't know what to do after that. And you have to understand that getting a judgment and collecting on a judgment are very different things. Uh, most lawyers know how to get a, a judgment, but they don't know how to do all of the work in order to collect on it. Uh, it's not something they teach you in law school, which may be hard to believe, uh, but they, uh, they, they just don't know how to do it. And it comes down to, to having experience and being creative and, and scrappy in, in the manner in which you uh, go after people that are unwilling to pay a judgment that you have obtained against them. So let's talk about how to get paid. So first let's describe what priority is and how you get it and where you fall in the pecking order. So number one, understand that the rule for judgments is first in time, first in right. And this means that the parties that are able to recover first uh, from equity that is that they that they may find in in property, whether that's personal property or real property, are those that get a 
recorded copy of the judgment first. It's not whether you get the judgment first, it's who records the judgment first. Um, so if you want to attach to real property, that's land, you need to take your judgment and you need to record a certified copy of it in the county where the property is held by the debtor. So if you have a judgment against ABC Corp and they have property in Brevard County, then you need to, wherever you happen to get your judgment, maybe you get your judgment in Miami-Dade, but you identify property in Brevard, you need to take a certified copy of that judgment, the Miami-Dade County judgment, and record it in Brevard County. Once you do that, your priority date for your judgment for that property is the day you record it in Brevard County. And it's subject, your judgment on that property is subject to any other prior judgments or liens or encumbrances on that property that existed prior to you recording that certified copy. Personal property is uh, secured by docketing a copy of the judgment with the Secretary of State of Florida. What you do is you take a judgment that you have obtained and, and you go online to the Secretary of State, sunbiz.org, and you can docket your judgment with the Secretary of State. And that creates a, that is the statewide public database for judgments in the state of Florida. Um, and you obtain priority on any personal property based on how quickly you can docket your judgment, no matter where you get it, with the Secretary of State. So let's talk about the primary collection tools that uh, we use on a regular basis. So the first is bank accounts uh, via what is a what is called gar a garnishment. Um, garnishments are are great because they're inexpensive, they're quick, and they have the potential to pay off uh, in a easy way. Um, so if you have a hundred thousand dollar judgment, and you can identify a bank account that the judgment debtor has in their name, you can submit the necessary paperwork called a garnishment, a writ of garnishment, to through the court to the bank, and any money in that bank account held by the judgment debtor will be set aside by the bank and subject to certain exemptions that may exist for individuals and head, heads of household, not for companies. Um, that money will be given to you. So the hardest part about garnishing an account is finding the account. Um, so some ways to find an account are if this is someone that's paid you in the past, they've given you checks. You want to get a copy of the check that they gave you. You want a, a copy of the cancel check. And you want to see what bank um, they, they used. And then that's one bank that you may be able to garnish. There are other ways to find bank accounts. Um, there are some services that suggest that they can find bank accounts for you. Um, we're going to talk about something else called the deposition in aid of execution, where you can ask the debtor about their bank accounts. Um, but garnishments are a great way to try to get paid. That's typically our first uh, attempt at getting paid is identifying a bank account and garnishing those accounts.
This episode is brought to you by the Construction Lawyers Alliance, a network of the top construction lawyers from around the country. At ConstructionLawyersAlliance.com, you can search construction law topics in nearly every state. Visit ConstructionLawyersAlliance.com to find the construction law answers you are looking for and a seasoned construction lawyer that can assist you. Next, uh, personal property, typically cars and boats. So if you can identify any vehicles owned by the judgment debtor, again, whether it's a company or an individual, those items of personal property are subject to your judgment, and you can go pick them up and sell them at public sale, and any proceeds can be, uh, will be given to you. So here are a few things to keep in mind when you're trying to go after someone's vehicle. First, you need to do a search through the Secretary of State in their UCC database to see if there are any prior uh, security interests or judgments on the party's personal property. So if you have uh, you've uh, you have a hundred thousand dollar judgment and you've identified that your judgment debtor has a a van and you want to get it. So the first thing you would do is check to see if there are if there's a UCC one or another judgment that covers that vehicle. Um, assuming that there isn't, then the next thing you need to do is determine is there any equity and even if there's no prior UCC or judgment as to that vehicle, you need to understand that picking up a car or a boat is an expensive endeavor. Uh, typically, you need to get uh, what's called an execution. So you need to have the sheriff uh, participate. You, uh, the sheriff doesn't do it for you. The sheriff only, uh, they get a fee just to stand there and make sure that uh, no one goes crazy. So you pay the sheriff. Um, you have to pay the moving company then it has to go to a bonded warehouse. Then you need to have it brought to a, and it has to be sold at public auction. So, and it has to be published. Uh, the, the sale of this vehicle has to be published um, so that uh, you follow all the rules associated with selling someone else's property. All of that costs money, um, typically several thousand dollars. So if you identified a vehicle that's only worth $3,000, may not net you very much at the end. All that being said, I would suggest to you that if this is the primary means or one of the significant means of your judgment debtor's ability to make money, the act of even showing up to pick it up may cause them to find money in places so that they can write you a check or give you a cashier's check or pay you cash. Uh, maybe not all of it, but some of it. We've had great success in the past at uh, effectively flexing muscle on the judgment debtor by showing up with a flatbed and a sheriff. And it's amazing how quickly some people can come up with money. Next, equipment and inventory. Again, just like a car or boat, you need to check to see if there's any prior UCC1s. Typically, that would include a credit line or a bank line that would in that would, in the UCC1, say it would include all inventory, equipment, vehicles. So you need to make sure that you don't pick something up, spend money and time, pick something up that 
belongs to somebody else. So you've done all the work and now you can't even sell it. Uh, and again, the, the equity issue is always one that you have to keep in mind. Um, we had a case uh, recently where we went out to try to pick up some printing equipment from uh, a judgment debtor. And the printing equipment was very, very big forklifts with several men. The client decided it wasn't worth the cost associated with all of that. Um, we got paid other ways, but, but just know that um, the idea of showing up and picking up equipment, which typically, so if you go to someone's office and you clean out their desks and chairs and computers, um, it's that for, for anything. It, it really is about going and, and disrupting their life so that they pay use just to avoid that disruption rather than actually selling all of those things which may not net you very much. One other thing that you can do, and we don't do this a lot because we have found it not to provide a great deal of return on the investment, is what's called a deposition in aid of execution. So you can, uh, at least once a year, you can get the judgment debtor to sit for a deposition and you can ask them questions about uh, where they bank, the assets they have, the debts they have. Uh, it's a pretty invasive deposition, but if someone isn't paying you, uh, we have found them to be less than forthcoming and honest when it comes to them uh, answering questions. So uh, we use that as a last resort. Uh, we try to do our own searches and, and, and find assets on our own before we go through the effort uh, and time and expense of a deposition of a judgment debtor, which again we have found to be only marginally fruitful because they, they are not very honest in, in how they respond to questions. So let me go through a few secrets that, that we've developed over the years. Um, the mantra of, of judgment collection comes down to one thing. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. If you are dealing with a judgment debtor that owes you and several others money, the, the judgment creditor that gives the judgment debtor the hardest time uh, shows up and garnishes accounts, um, goes after their accounts receivable, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, maybe takes depositions of them and related parties, uh, really gives them a hard time. You end up much higher on the list uh, for the judgment debtor to resolve the case. And maybe you get on a payment plan just so that they just so that you leave them alone. So always remember, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Accounts receivable are a great way to get paid uh, by a judgment debtor. So the first thing you have to ask is, who owes the debtor money? Um, and again, you can sit them down for a deposition and ask them to bring their accounts receivable. But um, again, I we have found judgment debtors not to be very honest in how they answer those questions. So part of what you need to do is try to figure out ways to learn independently who may owe the judgment debtor money. So here are some things that we've been able to, to use in the past to, to get an answer to this question. Liens. In construction, if a judgment debtor has lien rights, they may 
be owed money. And if they are, they may file a lien. And that lien is public record. And you can do a search in various counties to determine if that judgment debtor has filed a lien on some other piece of property against some person or company that owes the money. If so, then you can sell that lien so that any money related to that lien comes to you and not the judgment debtor. Notices of commencement. Uh, if, you, if your judgment debtor is someone that typically shows up on a notice of commencement, uh, because maybe they're a general contractor, um, so they would be listed on the notice of commencement, then, uh, then that's one way to figure out what jobs they may be working on. Open permits. Anyone that has a license that does work that needs a permit, you can do searches in the various municipalities and counties to see if there are any open permits in their name uh, because they're doing work. And if they are, then you can figure out who the contractor or owner of the property is, whoever would owe your judgment debtor money. Um, and you can s send them a garnishment. So you can garnish, so let's say you have a $100,000 judgment uh, against a, a plumber, and that plumber is still out there doing work, and you do a search and you find various open permits for work that they're doing. You figure out who they're working for. Maybe it's two or three different general contractors. You can send a garnishment to each of those general contractors and say, don't pay the plumber, pay me, whatever that plumber may be owed on this job. Proceeding supplementary. Uh, this is a process that allows you to go after other parties that are not the named judgment debtor. So as you remember, I told you that you, you can only go after the assets of those parties that are specifically named in the judgment uh, as debtors. But there are ways to extend the reach of a judgment beyond them. So proceeding supplementary uh, is, the, is the term for it. What that allows you to do is, is follow the assets as it may apply to individuals and related businesses. So maybe you have a $100,000 judgment against ABC Plumbing Company, and you learn that they closed ABC Plumbing and opened up XYZ Plumbing. If so, you may be able to go after XYZ Plumbing if you can show that they closed the first company in order to avoid your judgment. So maybe they have the same name, a similar name. Maybe they have the same phone number for the, the second company. Maybe they are in the same office. Maybe they have the same trucks. Uh, maybe they have the same officers and directors. To the extent you can show a relationship between your debtor and some other entity or person, then you can go after those other related parties, whether they're individuals or businesses. Uh, and we do that quite uh, frequently. So we have, a, we have a case now where we have a judgment against um, uh, an air conditioning contractor, uh, and he closed his company and he opened up another one, and uh, it has a surprisingly similar name with the same phone number, same uh, owners and officers, same uh, uh, logo with just a, a slightly changed uh, 
color scheme. So we are now going after the second company because the the judgment would apply to them based on how they move the money around. So uh, that's all we have for uh, judgment. And uh, if you don't have one already, I'd recommend you go to theleanzone.com and you can get a calculine. This will help you calculate uh, when your notice to owner and claim of liens are due so you don't have to count on your fingers anymore. Thanks for listening to the LeanZone.com podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or in your favorite podcast app. For articles, videos, and forms on this and other construction topics, head over to the LeanZone.com.